I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword lovesport. Good, 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 good evening. You are listening to Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the boys from All Stats, Aren't We? Yes, a double bubble this evening, gents. It's John McKenzie here and Josh Hobbs. All right. Hello, Josh. All right. How's it going? Very well, thank you. This is the Leeds United Fan Show, of course, on Love Sport Radio. If you want to join the debate and ask these guys a question, it's very easy to do so. 0208 7020 558. You can WhatsApp us on that number as well or tweet us at Love Sport Radio. And as always, John, we're going to start this evening's show with the opening stat. Josh, Josh is going to do it. I'm on it. Josh (laughs) is on it. Nice. Josh, talk to me. So uh, this time last year, we had had three players that had scored five goals already uh, and two more that had scored over three. Whereas this season, we've only got two players in the whole team that scored over three goals. And the next top goal scorer, joined with Pablo Hernandez and Alioski, is own goals. Wowzers. We've got problems. <laughs> Wowzers. Fellas, the opening stat, I have to say, is always my favourite part of the show. <laughs> really? It's all downhill from it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bit I message John from home. Yeah. Say, John, it's usually Josh or say, say this tonight. Nice. <laughs> Instructions. Wow. So, so, talk, so the, the goal scorers are? Uh, Bamford with four. And Ketio with three. He has five in all competitions, but only three in the league. So this is quite incredible because the goals scored for Leeds United this season, so 17 goals, right, in 14 championship games so far. That is an incredibly low tally. It's the second lowest in the top half. Only Birmingham has scored less. Wow. Yeah, not great. So, I mean, listen, we... I kind of want to call this the Bamford and Kessia show because that's pretty much what we talk about all the time. But it was a goalless draw last weekend, an opportunity for both teams to go top of the table. An incredibly entertaining goalless draw. As far as nil-nils go, it was a really good one to watch, John. Yeah, it was. And I think I think we expected the game to go that way to a certain extent. Um, and uh, it's, it's hard to... It's hard to bemoan the fact that we didn't get a win. I think, um, obviously... Shepherd Wednesday have been playing quite well, um, and so I think we were happy with with that result. So it was. I mean, when you consider the chances, yes, Patrick Bamford had a great chance. Probably should have been a penalty. Would we say? 
What beforehand? The the head, yeah, Paul. Yeah, his I shirt thought, was I thought so. I I, tw- I tweeted that, and I got I got all kinds of abuse from Why? some sh- from some Sheffield Wednesday fans. Why would you get abuse? I don't know. They he was just going, oh, if you start giving that, then everything's a penalty. But I was like, well, it is a foul. He got he he got his shirt pulled. He still managed to get the header away, and it was an unbelievable save from Westwood. Mm. But I mean, I, I there's another podcast that I was listening to that was basically saying he should have scored it was a weak header but I, for me that he did everything that he should have done yeah incredibly so I mean it, was it a slightly weak header I don't know whether that was impacted with the fact that he did get his shirt pulled I don't know it wasn't a particularly um, quick ball across the box so he tried to get as much as he could on it but like yeah, you said a great save from Kieran Westwood I thought it was in I, yeah. I thought you? it was in I was and up. then I thought it, had given, <laughs> it was given as offside I was convinced it was in um, but yeah I think it was abs- he did everything right there um I did, I, yeah, I, potentially um, a penalty, but there, there was the Ben White incident as well later on that a lot of people thought was a penalty, which I thought was less convincing. Mm. <laughs> I thought was, I thought that was a definite pen. It, I think anywhere else on the pitch, it's that classic. I'm able anywhere to be else neutral, on the pitch, <laughs> neutral and objective, me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But anywhere else on the pitch, that's a penalty. I mean, that's a free kick. When it's in the box, why is it not a penalty? He's gone into the back of him and knocked him off his balance. I thought that he'd lost control and sort of then was forced to s- slow down and then the player ran into the back of him a little John bit. John likes to be the alternative view. That's right. The reasoned voice. <laughs> trust John the process. McKenzie, absolutely. Trust the John McKenzie process. Um, we will quickly discuss it because, again, it was something that came out after the game, Bamford or Nketiah. I thought when Nketiah came on, more so than I think any other time I've seen him this season... I personally think he made quite a big impact. I was listening to Dean Ashton speak on the Quest highlights that we now see, of course, and he said, well, the difference between the two, I don't think Nketiah made much of a difference to the way that Leeds set up. Personally, I thought he did. I thought he looked quick. I thought he looked sharp. I thought he looked on it more so than Bamford. I think we've always talked about the fact that when you pick one or the other, you're not. it's not just that you're picking a different player, you're picking a different style of play. I thought it was quite obvious, the, the, the impact, that certainly from the from, from the wider team, whether or not you put that down to um, Nketiah coming on and Bamford coming off, but we, we certainly lost control, I thought, a little bit in the second half. That said, I thought Nketiah played quite well. One of the things that Josh and I have talked about, actually, with the difference between Nketiah and, and Bamford is the way that they um, progress the ball down the field. Nketiah likes to get the ball face to goal and mm-hmm. run um, and likes to exploit space in that way whereas Bamford likes to run back towards the ball when his teammates have got it uh, take the ball in and then and then feed it wide into space which I think is what uh, Bielsa really likes about him so he allows the he, he sort of drops in and allows the two wide players to uh, ex- extend beyond him into those into those um, corner spaces and then that that then allows them to put the ball across I think that that's probably um, uh, it probably allows us to con- control the games a little bit better, but you know, uh, my position has always been <laughs> at this point. I just want, I just want us to go with one or the other. I don't think there's a huge difference between the two of them, um, but it's it's going to be interesting in in the QPR game because it's likely that Enketi is going to score, so we're finally going to get the chance to watch nine minutes of Enketi and see if it makes a huge difference that we're being told it will. Likely that he's going to score. I like that. It's positive, John. <laughs> did I, did I say score? Yeah, but I like it. It's good. It's a, that's a Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> there, there has been talk, and there always will be talk. Of course, January is not far away. That Leeds will dip in to the transfer market for a striker. Josh, do you think that's the solution to this problem? Uh, not for me. No. If we're ever going to make a signing, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make a striker. I think. I, I I'm with John that Bamford does so much. Uh, I, I personally feel when I say that stat that I opened with that there's no one else is scoring. Is mm. it, it like if your striker who has been your top scorer hasn't scored in two months and he's only on four goals, it's a fair expectation that someone will overtake that. No one's overtaken Bamford as top league goal scorer. Mm. And they've had two months in which to do so. Where, where's the goals from Click? Where's the goals from Costa? Where's the goals from Harrison? I, the team needs to score goals, mm. not just Bamford and Nketiah. Well, that's a great point because that is what the outsider will always say, won't they? When it's 17 goals from 14 games, like you said, those players aren't scoring goals. But everyone looks at it and says, well, the answer then is to sign a striker. But mm. it's it's not about that. It's about the the, the system working like it should work. Yeah, and we've seen we know that Bielsa doesn't doesn't like to just 
he doesn't think solutions are, are as easy as just copy and pasting a new player into into the space and all players left behind them. And he he is not going to bring in a player in January and suddenly just throw them into the team and and then expect that that's going to turn things around. We've we've seen it with Inketia. Like in, he, he, there's still questions about whether or not he trusts Inketia as Inketia's ability to play to play in the system that we have now. I I can't see bringing in a striker being anything other than a prolongation of that same process, mm. but just move back six months. So I, I I'll be surprised if we bring anyone in unless we really need cover um to be honest um that the i think josh would probably say that he'd like to see a, a, a 10 a creative 10 brought in but again i just so much of the system is about manipulation of space and understanding the routes that are being run and and the way that the team are moving around that i just i don't think there's a quick fix and so we'll only bring in a player i think if we have a bad injury would you say that josh i would say that uh, i think um i just want just something different in those games where we're struggling to get through. I know that a ten, maybe uh, a ten that dribbles with the ball, might not might not be ideal if teams are defending deep against us. So I probably want another player that could pick out a magic pass that I I sort of only think Pablo Hernandez can do. Where if we had one more player like that, that would help. As we were discussing earlier, Man City. As I mean, it's ridiculous to equate us to Man City but teams defend similarly against us as they do against Man City which is why we are but they have Silva and De Bruyne that are able to conjure up some magic Mm. we have Hernandez and Jack Harrison Uh, that ain't gonna do it for me (laughs) nice okay Interesting words from Josh Hobbs from All Stats, aren't we? On this, the Leeds United fan show on Last Pop. Plenty coming up, of course. We're going to be speaking to Gary Devonport next of the Talking Shut podcast and looking ahead to that game against QPR. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio. Your fan station. You're listening to Love Sport Radio, the Leeds United fan show, no less. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the boys from All Stats, aren't we? John McKenzie and Josh Hobbs. Just quickly, there is a game in the Championship going on right now. Bristol City are at a soaking wet Oakwell. Nil-nil, as things stand, with Barnsley. We'll keep you updated on that game as and when things happen. But now we are going to move to the splendidly named Talking Shut podcast with Gary Devonport. Gary, thank you for joining us. The boys have given their verdict of last weekend against Sheffield Wednesday, a nil-nil draw, of course. How did you see that game? Uh, to be honest, I thought it was um, a little bit more of a tougher game than possibly we expected. I think that Wednesday's position in the table probably were a little bit deceiving. I thought they were quite well set up. They made it hard for us. They obviously started with two big lads, uh, which are always going to be a test when we've got, you know, Berardi and Ben White at back, but I thought we, we coped well and I think it's one of them games that you come away from and if you speak to a Chef Wednesday fan, they think they could have won it and you know as a Leeds fan, I think we had chances to win it as well. So all in all, if, you, if you'd if have said a, a point away at a, a, tough, a tough Sheffield Wednesday you know, before a game, you'd, you'd probably take it. Hey Gary, it's John here. Um, hey John, you all right? Yeah, good thanks. You had Adam Forshaw on, on your podcast this week, uh, obviously it goes without saying that I'm a big fan of Adam for sure tell us a little bit about that how did it come about and uh, what did you talk about on the on the podcast so um, we've got a, an agreement with the club uh, guys are talking short that they'd give us one club employee whether that's a player or you know a member of the staff uh, a month and uh, I sent a usual email to the club you know saying who oh, can you give us this month and, and I was offered Adam Forshaw so, so we jumped at the opportunity mm-hmm. to get um, to get Adam on and uh, yeah, he, he was fantastic. To be fair, you know, he was, he was very open and a very humble guy, and you know, he, he was quite happy to talk about uh, about everything, really. Hey, Gary, it's Josh. Hey, Josh, you're right. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I really enjoyed the uh, the pod with with Adam. Uh, I, I <laughs> there was a bit that really uh, stuck out to me that made me laugh when um, uh, Binky, who's one of the co-hosts for those that don't know Talking Shut, uh, when when he uh, said to to Adam that. He wasn't a, he wasn't a fan of his uh, last year. That was <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. But when um, uh, when Adam said, "Oh, I think uh, people are starting to recognise what I what I bring to the team," 
And I was just just wondering, maybe maybe if Binky's been reading some uh, some all stats, aren't we? Content as John's been preaching that <laughs> that one for a while. Yeah, I think there's every possibility Ben has been reading that. <laughs> to be honest, but um, hey, hey, look at the end of the day, you know, we're fans who who set a podcast up, and you know, if anything, the four of us, we're, we'll, you know, we're nothing but honest, and we'll be honest to to anybody really, you know. And I think Ben's turned around a few times you know, in recent weeks and said, you know, he got it wrong, and you know, I think. It's one of the things we had them for, sure, that maybe you don't really appreciate it till it's not there anymore. And I think that mm. evidently in the last couple of weeks there's been a Adam Forshaw size gap in our in our midfield that, you know, he, he does a lot to stabilise the midfield and, and allow Klitsch and uh, you know, and others to sort of play around him and he does that he does that really sort of you know, to to kind the of phrase gets all that hard work done in the engine room. I think he's, you know, he's sort of pivotal to that really. Mm. I'm interested to hear you say that you you have this agreement with the club um, where you have the players on. I just wondered whether or not it's changed your attitude as a fan, um, getting to know some of the players and some of the the club employees. Uh, do you do you think that you that changes your idea about like the responsibility that that a, a Leeds United media outlet has in, in in engaging with with the players? Do you feel as though that you should be perhaps more careful about the way that you talk about the players now? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit, but as I previously said, you know, we're, we're fans and we've got opinion, and I think as long as you put the opinion across in the in the correct way, you know, and, and correct format, I think there's, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. Um, I think one thing that has sort of a little bit stuck out for me in, in my time podcasting and you know being in and around players is the fact that you know they are they are human beings at the end of the day. I know the footballers, and we kind of see them in a particular light, or some some fans may, but you know, at the end of the day, the there's just human beings who've been blessed with talent, and you know they're lucky to play, sort of live their live their talent out. You know, on one of the biggest stages in, in football, and I think sometimes you know it's easy just to see them as people on the on the telly or you know in a in a program or whatever, rather than seeing them for actually humans. So some of the stick that they do get, you know, some of the unwarranted stuff maybe, or some of the stuff that oversteps the line a little bit. I think it does have an effect on them, and I think that's something that we probably as fans need to need to bear in, in mind. You know when when giving our criticism, if you like, yeah, I'd, I think I think thought that was really interesting and uh, something that um, that Adam said that stuck out to me as well was that he felt um, almost that the atmosphere was a bit. I mean, these aren't ex- his exact words, but it was a bit unbearable from sort of twelve games to go. He said he felt people got a bit excited too soon. I think that was a uh, something that he used. I I remember thinking um, around the uh, the Norwich game, the Sheffield United game, the build up amongst the fan base, even just on Twitter, it was like unbearable. And yeah, it was really interesting to hear what he said, how that sort of affected them co- traveling into the stadium. What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, I think what he was getting at is that you know maybe as a as a fan base, and certainly he even said some of the players maybe got a little bit carried away and maybe kind of thought that the job were done a little bit, um, although he didn't actually say them words, but that's kind of what I took from it. And um, I mean, I, I mentioned it on the show, it's difficult from coming from the place where we've been for so long, which has been downtrodden and, you know, there, there never appeared to be any light at the end of the tunnel. Then the light was at the end of the tunnel and it got brighter and it got brighter. And, you know, the way that we were playing ourselves, where we were playing our football, it was difficult not to get sort of carried away and I think one thing he did mention is that you know when that comes around this this time around if it comes around this time around which I'm I'm pretty confident it will do then you know he feels that the players and maybe even the fans will be more um, sort of positioned to take things game by game rather than maybe seeing it you know 10 games into the future kind of thing because I, I remember last season there were talks of you know when we could win the league by and then lo and behold we're still in that <laughs> league just a question again about about the Leeds United media, fan media in particular. Do you think that this is the best time to be a fan of Leeds United, given the amount of uh, media outlets there are out there for for anything that you want to see, really? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, before I before I started talking shit, I worked for the Supporters Trust, and when I first started working for the Supporters Trust, it was quite a divided club, to be honest. You know, some fans sat on one side of the ownership, other fans sat on the other side of the ownership, and then the ownership changed and. I do think there's been a lot of work gone into it from the club, but also there's a lot of work from the fans as well. I mean, you know, there's there's literally a podcast out there for everybody now mm-hmm. with relation to Leeds United, and 
you know, it, that can only be a good thing. You know, there's, there's independent fan channels and there's different types of podcasts popping up all over. And then, you know, there's your more well-established podcasts and fanzines. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's sort of a little bit for everybody. You know, people pick up what they like and, you know, they'll listen to that and, you know, various other things. So I definitely think as a as a fan, a fan base, there's definitely some form of enrichment there that you can just basically pick and listen to whatever you want, really. I really agree with you, Gary, actually, by the way. And as someone who I'm not an avid listener of the Talking Shut podcast, but I have to ask, obviously, this is in reference to Carl Shutt. Has he got any affiliation with the podcast? Has he been on the show? <laughs> well, it's a bit of a long story, so I'll try and keep it Go brief. On. But basically, I ran the podcast for the, for the Trust uh, with Binky. And um, when when that sort of ended for us, too, we, we got approached to, to start running this podcast. And we sat and... and and, and uh, mulled over a name for absolutely ages and you know as, as you know from listening to Talking Shut we don't particularly take ourselves serious um, so it came up with you know Talking Shut and it was a little bit of a, a dig at ourselves you know for a for a word that rhymes with shut hmm. but also obviously linked, <laughs> linked to Carl as well and when we first did start we did actually reach out to Carl to try and uh, get him to come on but uh, he was a little bit reluctant to to, uh, to do that so yes yeah, so that's kind of where the name came from really uh you know, a bit of a light-hearted poke at ourselves, and then, you know, as the podcast has gone on and on, it's you know, it, it gets uh, mentioned to us every now and again. The uh, the other one that rounds we shut, but you know, <laughs> oh, it's a shame. It's a shame he's not been on. Carl, if you're listening, get on. We can talk about Stuttgart '93. That's what everyone <laughs> yeah. wants to talk about. Um, Gary, mate, before you go, just quickly on tomorrow's game, a quick prediction. Yeah, again, um, QPR have been a little bit of a surprise package. I mentioned on on this week's show that I tipped them to be basement basement um, merchants and to struggle but mm. they've been a surprise surprise package but I, as I stick by and I, I do genuinely think I think we've been terribly unlucky with some of the games that have gone on this year and I, and I do think we've got another couple of gears to click through uh, and it's just a case of now you know getting that time to start getting that run together and getting clicking through them gears because you know we're not conceding a great deal we're fairly solid in defence you know, it's now, now time to start showing a bit more of a lethal touch up front and you know what better time to do it than at Ellen Road Nice. Uh, and sort of send a, send a message to the league nice one Gary Boss thank you very much for joining us no worries thank you very much that was Gary Devonport of the Talking Shut podcast great chat that one fellas what a great guest to have on and it is in reference to Carl Shutt of course now Carl Shutt when he was at Leeds United did spend a little bit of time away from Leeds on loan at Malmo <laughs> in Sweden which brings us nicely into our next section because what a transition there you go I'll tell was, you what that was oh. sensational that's what you get on Last Sport Radio my <laughs> friends uh, guys you want to talk a bit about loans Leeds United loans in particular of course yeah I think this was Josh's idea so I'll let him intro it well I was just I think pretty much everyone at the moment is waxing lyrical about Ben White he's he's been unbelievable coming in on loan and replacing Pontus Janssen so I just thought why don't we talk about why don't we talk about loans? What best and worst that we that we can remember? So I've I've made a list of my top five and my top five worst. So my best and worst here. So your best your best lo- best five loans and worst five loans that's at it, Leeds that's United. It. You wow. you managed to say that better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna should we go just run for it? I'll take one each. Are you? I haven't drawn up a list, so we'll oh, go through yours. Goodness me. John's off the cuff. He's I'm po- off the cuff. I've poor, got a list here. Poor There's... with his preparation is what I think. I'll I'm all about I'll... the bad loans, you know. <laughs> I've got a list here, and I, right. I, I'm scrolling I'm gonna... through it, and I'm like, that, that's a I'll bad try. one. That's going, a bad one. I'm going number one then for my for my top five. I'm going Max Gradle. Right. He was he was big when we needed him in the in the 2010 promotion season when he. Uh, when he was scoring goals when Beckford went off the boil. We we won't talk about the Bristol Rovers red card on the final day when it could have all <laughs> could have all gone. But uh Can I I'll match that then with I, I will match you. I'll say Pablo Hernandez because he started out on loan. And what, nice. what an important player he has been and is. Unbelievable, yeah. I I'm cheating and I'm going for a combination here of Bartley and Janssen together. Because they were, we. I mean, we were horrific at the back <laughs> before we had Bartley and Janssen, and when Pontus arrived, that I mean, I I feel that he was a catalyst for uh, the relationship between the players and the fans coming back in the Chilino years. It was 
horrendous for that. So, Bartley Janssen. John? I can't find another good one. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll go another one. Robbie Keane. Nine goals in 18 games on loan back in the uh, in the 2001 season, I think, 2000, 2001. I, I 102, our producer oh, Paddy is, is telling us. Yes. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I remember a great <laughs> overhead kick he scored. It, oh, it was yeah. in the air for ages. It was class. Yeah. yeah. That was at a time when you had so many. I think Darren Huckabee was at the club at the time, yeah, wasn't I mean, he? The less so said many. about Huckabee, the better, I think. But. Well, yeah. I mean, the problem <laughs> was you had too many players at that time. I think it was four million or so, wasn't it, from Coventry. You kind of didn't need him at the time, but you yeah. signed him just because he was, he I was think there. We, I think we actually got him from Inter Milan. No, sorry, I'm talking about Huckabee. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, Huckabee, Keane, yes. yeah, of course. We definitely yeah. didn't get no, no, no. for Inter Milan. Huckabee, yeah. incidentally, scored the scored a hat trick in the first Leeds game, game I went to, but unfortunately against Leeds rather than. Oh, Leeds, right. so. he's one of those players that was unbelievable against us. Yeah, and horrendous like Billy for Painter us. Or Billy uh, why, Sharp. Why or does that happen? Billy Painter, crikey, I forgot about <laughs> why that. Why does that happen? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there is a lot of players who have been rubbish for us and then they've come come back against us. And they I do. mean, I've I got a few on my bad list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely struggling to find any good... Shall good I carry ones? on with you my good on. I'm going to chuck a couple in the mix as well when you get when you go get on to ones that I've just come off the top of my head, but please, Josh. All right, I'm going Richard <laughs> Naylor. That's uh, that's an unbelievable loan. Comes of, of in. Ipswich. Yeah, he was, he was at Ipswich. Mm-hmm. Came, was our captain, got us promoted and almost as good as the promotion captain at Old Trafford when we got the win yeah. can't can't forget that day I'll, I'll add Neil Kilkenny to, to that yeah he was he in was, the team he was, I think. Useful, he was a useful player for us in, in the day um, and stayed for quite a while in the end another one I've got on there um, is Rob Hulse He's, it's, a, it's a very unglamorous one <laughs> but he was he was striker when we got to the championship playoff final again it feels like I'm saying this a lot but won't talk about what happened on the actual Playoff final, but mm. he Incidentally, was. Incidentally, he's great. A, now a working para- paramedic. He works full time as a paramedic. Is he really? That's a weird transition. It is, yeah. Incredible. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to go with. This is a really random one. Lee Chapman. Oh wow! Returned to I the mean... club in '96 on loan. I remember because he got sent off in the game. He came back. I remember watching it on Match of the Day because obviously he was a big player for the club top scorer in that 91-92 season and went away in Portsmouth and West Ham and stuff and then he came back because you'd had a striker crisis. Yeboa and Masinga were away on African Nations Cup duty and I think a few other players were injured so Chapman was drafted in as an emergency loan. Got sent off West Ham. Yeah, old elbow. <laughs> that is some stellar knowledge. Yeah, that's mm. good knowledge. It's just that that mid nineties period. We've talked about yeah, this before. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> just remember from everything from that period of time. Yeah, and one other actually, which is a bit later. Now, this wasn't a loan. This was as Barnsley, by the Bristol City, sorry, have just taken the lead at Barnsley. Ashley Williams <laughs> appears to have scored because he's doing some rather <laughs> odd celebration. But Bristol City leading Barnsley one nil at Oakwell. Daniel Bentley as well. They owe a lot to him. He made a fantastic save about five minutes ago. Pushed a point-blank effort onto the post. But yes, Bristol City won. Barnsley nil. That was awful. I'm I'm Um, interested to hear what your non-loan for our loan... Yeah, sorry. So this is is a bit (laughs) off-piste. But he he was on a month-to-month deal at the same time as Craig Hignett was at Leeds United. In 2004, a certain Steve Guppy... Wow. Oh, wow. Scored. Scored in his... Mate, he's think, scoring his Forest. I think you're winning this game. Mm. <laughs> but he was... Uh, Steve Guppy was a great player in his time. Very, very good player. And he just... It was at that time when he'd been released from his second spell with Leicester. And then he, after that, it was, it was in his mid-30s when he came to Leeds. And he played like four or five games or something. I mean, he went to Stoke he can and go on the worst loans list. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he ended up in the US. But yeah, a good player in his time. The worst loans list oh, has it, the potential to be quite it long. It could go so. on for so long. I'm 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 starting with Lewis Baker because I had such high hopes for him. When he you see the video clips of him scoring free kicks with both feet. He's a he's known as a wonder kid. He's coming under a great manager, you think he's gonna play brilliantly under him. He was atrocious. Yeah, he didn't do a huge amount. Disappointing. I'll match him with, with Adrian. Do you remember Adrian? Goodness. Most famous thing Adrian ever did in the lead shirt was was a, a famous dive where he flapped around like a like a salmon plucked from a river. 
I don't know. You, you, I don't look recall this one. No, go on. Yeah, he was a Brazilian Brazilian player who was brought in, and everyone was like, "Oh, you know, it's a Brazilian player. It's going to be. Fa- he's going to be fantastic." And there was maybe a few flashes of that, but for the for the most part, very disappointing. That was it. Well, fellas, thoroughly enjoyed this lane watch. Any more, Josh? I'm presuming that's it. Oh, I mean, <laughs> we could give you so many. But we'll delve right into it. <laughs> this is the Leeds United fan show on Love Sport. Next up, we've got the opposition view of QPR. For the fans, by the. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fans love sport radio. This is the opposition view on Love Sports. The Leeds United fan show, of course, myself, Matt Beadle, joined by the guys from All Stats, aren't we? John McKenzie and Josh Hobbs. Now, we're going to move on and speak to Flo Lloyd-Hughes from the QPR podcast. Flo, it's very good having you on. Of course, QPR without a win at Ellen Road since 2013 by my records. Of course, I believe Rangers went up that season, but not a win since. How do you see this one going? I'm not feeling that positive. Um, oh. I mean, we haven't kept a clean sheet this season, so there'll definitely be goals. Um, I think... It'll be a pretty open game, so I'm thinking maybe two all. Hey, folks, John here. Hey, um, Just a question about, I think a lot of Leeds fans that we've spoken to have been quite surprised at how QPR have, have performed this season. They're doing, I think, on, on, on the whole, a little bit better than people expected. Um, why do you think that would be the case? Well, to be honest, I was pretty surprised at the beginning of the season when we, when we started doing so well, because... Most fans expect us to finish, you know, like we have over the last few seasons, which is kind of in the sort of bottom half of the table, pretty low down, 16, 17, 18, kind of never quite scrapping for relegation, but, you know, being in the mix. Um, so we were quite surprised, especially with the turnover. I think we've been quite lucky, to be honest, to get players like Naki Wells, who, you know, I think he's already got eight goals this season. So um, he's kind of having that, ability like you know someone who's signed to a Premier League club technically having that ability when you see him play you can see he's he's so much better than a lot of strikers we've had over the last Mm. few years um so having someone like that just having a really attacking mindset we've had a couple of managers over the last few seasons who have played quite negatively um obviously having a player like Matt Smith a big sort of battering ram you've got to play a certain way so we were sort of restricted Whereas now we've moved players like Ryan Manning into positions that he wasn't typically playing in, and it's really opened up new opportunities for us. So we've taken a few people by surprise, but I think the issue is is we're a little bit one-dimensional. Everything kind of relies on the fullbacks pushing up the field, and you know the goalie playing it short. And when the team does press us, we you know fall under pressure a little bit. I I read a, an interview actually with Les Ferdinand the other day, and uh, it's interesting that you were saying that you know you you do rely on bringing players in like Naki Wells, and and there's a sense in which you don't really know how well you're going to perform in in the season because in the last few seasons it, you have relied on loan players. So, um, do you think that that's just a reality for QPR at the moment? Is that just the way that it's going to have to be? A little bit. I mean, um, we've got some good players coming through who uh, I think will get us a bit of money. Luke Freeman didn't probably go for as much as a lot of the fans mm. would have liked, but the market's sort of changed now. Championship clubs aren't spending or selling for as much as they used to. Um, so, and same with Matt, 
Massimo Luongo. I think a lot of people expect him to get sold for a little bit more. But Ilias Cher and Abire Eze, hopefully, you know, as they progress and kind of prove themselves, they should be worth a fair, a fair, a fair amount. So if we can bring in that money, then we should be able to turn it into some proper transfers because, you know, the problem with relying on loan players is not that stable. And I, I don't think we'll be able to secure Naki Wells when he's out of contract in the summer because of his wages and he probably expects, you know, as much as I'm sure he's enjoying his time there, I'm sure he expects to also be playing for a club higher up the table or maybe even a lower a lower Premier League club. Flo, you mentioned Naki Wells, of course, that loan deal. Jordan Hugill as well. Can I just quickly get your point of view on him? Because we have a West Ham fan show on this very station as well and he's become something of a... Not laughing stock's a bit too harsh, but he's a bit of a joke, I suppose, amongst some West Ham fans. The meme always goes around about how he's looking forward to blowing his bubbles when he signed for the club. Obviously, never nothing ever really happened at West Ham, but I think you said a lot of people have been surprised with QPR's start. He's done quite well this season. Yeah, he's done really well. I mean, obviously, he didn't quite um, have it his way at Middlesbrough, and I think a lot of people were surprised when Orbiton brought him in because they thought, well, he hasn't really even proved himself in the championship, so it's a bit of a risk. I think he's got what Matt Smith had in terms of size, but he's far more agile. I think the biggest problem we've seen with him this season is he can't hit a ball first time. He's had some really good chances to finish, like some really embarrassing chances to finish first time. But he needs he needs a good, you know, sort of three to five seconds to compose himself before he slots home. And to be fair to the guy, he's got goals this season. He's got some really important goals away, like the goal at Sheffield's Wednesday. So you can't really blame him. But I would say that he does struggle kind of in those heat of the moment, ball in, you've got to, you know, you've got to react. He can be a bit slow in those kind of situations. Hey Flo, this is Josh. Um, on strikers, um, do you expect uh, that you'll be playing two uh, up front tomorrow? Is Hugo fit? So, yeah, Hugo was suspended because he's a, he's a big guy, so I think he likes to throw his weight around. So he picked up a few too many yellow cards, so he was suspended for the Brentford game. Um, I expect him to come back in, but it might be uh, kind of to replace Naki Wells. Um, it might be too much of a risk to play two up top. Um, it might be better to just have one up there and, and start Wells or start Hugo and then r- rotate, seeing how the team's going. I mean, Hugo's been great away from home because he's a bit, of a bit of a bully. So it helps to have someone like that to kind of cause a bit of trouble as well. Mm, it's interesting, interesting that you say that because I think playing two up front against us is is actually a way that uh, oppositions can make leads respond to them rather than what seems to happen, which is everyone responds to what they think we're going to do. We change our shape when we know that we're coming up against two strikers. So I just, I'd, I think if I was an opposition manager, I would, I would try that more often against Leeds. I think if we were at home, we definitely would. I think it's that classic sort of negative mindset when you're away from home and you sort of want to try and play it safe. I mean, even on Monday night, we were at home against Brentford and we played one up top. And obviously, Hugo was suspended, but we still just started with Wells and had sort of Eze, Chair and Nate Samuel sitting behind him. So because we're so focused on working through the wings and the flanks, it makes the sort of two up top less important um, mm. because it's all about those who are kind of providing um, and working their way into the box and Eze who hasn't started as an outline striker I think he's got six goals so far this season so we're not necessarily relying so much on like the typical you know two centre forwards. You are the only team in the top 10 who've got a negative goal difference and you as you said you play attacking football you've scored a lot of goals this season that must mean that you have quite a leaky defence is that the case and, and is that something that worries you? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we haven't kept a clean sheet. Um, we're, our goal difference is only matched by those in the sort of bottom four, um, which is a, a real concern. Uh, but it's typical of Orbison. I mean, if you hire him, that's what you get. So it's a risk you take by, you know, getting him in as manager because it's never been something that he's really focused on too much. Um, and he's changed our style completely. Um, but the back four 
hasn't, or the back two, especially the two centre-backs, haven't really changed in the way they play. I mean, Tony Leisner's a very traditional sort of big centre-back who is well-suited to the championship, but makes those classic errors, you know, a high ball over the top, and he's done for pace every time. Grant Hall, you know, had a really bad history of injuries and is, you know, barely keeping it together sometimes. And Johan Barbe has um, conceded, I think, four penalties already this season. So it can be a bit of a kind of um, calamitous um, defence. And, you know, Walton, I've asked him myself um, in post-match interviews and every, every other journalist has asked him the same thing. You know, are you worried about this? And he just says, no, it's fine. We'll just outscore them every time. Um, so... We'll see, but obviously, you know, didn't win against Reading, um, lost against Brentford, so, you know, there, there's some things that sort of need to be ironed out, but his um, tactic at the moment and the tactic that he's sort of built his career on is just, you know, score as much as you can and the rest will come. Flo, it's been great having you on. Just before you got a quick score prediction for us. Two all, I think. Ooh, very eventful game at Ellen Road tomorrow. Flo, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, guys. That was Flo Lloyd-Hughes of the QPR podcast. Next up on the Leeds United Fan Show, it's my other favourite part of the show. <laughs> my first favourite, of course, is the opening. So what I like is that we book the beginning it. and the end. You keep, me, you keep me excited, chaps. It's the listener questions. Of course, Leeds United Fan Show on Love Sport. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. This is the Leeds United Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the guys from All Stats, aren't we? John McKenzie and Josh Hobbs. Fellas. Of course, it is QPR this Saturday, and a win would be amazing in so many ways. To quote the great James Milner, don't know whether you saw that his quotes. Did not. It would be that. amazing in so many ways to return <laughs> to Leeds United. Ooh. To be fair, it was in his new book, and he kind of got asked what he said. That's what I always I mean, get asked the question. Dream. He says that he says I always get asked the question when people bump into me in the road. They always say, you know, or on the street. Sorry, not in the road. They're not walking through the middle <laughs> of the road. Um, on the street, would you ever come back to Leeds United? He kind of said, you know, circumstances have to be right for for both parties. But if they were, I'd love to come back. I would. I even I would more so heaven. now, right? I'd be in heaven. Mm. I think I'm not. I don't, I don't think I'm very nostalgic. Well, I was going to Have say, you you're this? boring, John. In, in, terms, of, in terms of James Milner, though, obviously he was the youngest goal scorer, wasn't he, for Leeds yeah, United in the Premier League? Yeah, 16 when he scored. So what's the feeling like towards him? Obviously, he didn't spend a whole lot of time at the club, eventually moved on. Um, but is he something of a local hero? Could he? Did he develop that status? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. And I, th- I think I think we, as fans, have probably lived vicariously through... Milner yeah. in but the Premier it. League and because Delph, I think, because we've we've plummeted so far yeah. and he stayed up there and had has had an amazing career since I I I celebrated Liverpool winning the Champions League because it meant James Milner won the Champions League which kind of means that Leeds almost won it yeah right. in my in my <laughs> head it was like <laughs> that's, well, works, that's yeah. a bit of ours yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> obviously ridiculous. But. So when, when Man United won the Champions League, Alan Smith, obviously, was, no, you know. No. Oh, I don't you can't celebrate Man United. He was even involved in that, was he? <laughs> I'm not having that one. No, I'm not having that one. Sorry, Paddy's just shouted in my ear that Alan Smith had gone. You're right. He scored in the 2006-07 run against Roma. Yes, that is correct. Well done, Paddy. I still love Smith, though, for the record. I know that's controversial, but. I, I loved Alan Smith and I always will. I never loved Alan Smith. Oh, you never loved Alan really, Smith? Come on, the, mate. John, you must have loved him at some on. point. No, no. Oh, no, he scored against Liverpool at Anfield. No, come no, on. He was just one of those players that I was never a great fan of and then he went to Man United wow. and that was never it. Never a great that was, fan of Alan Smith. It's confirmed because, everything I thought about him, really. It's because John doesn't appreciate those aspects of the game. The blood and thunder <laughs> and the <laughs> He's got a chance. Just heart. numbers, isn't it? Just the numbers. Heart. That's all you care about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a chance. That's what David O'Leary always used to say. They used to always ask him about Alan Smith. He used to say, "He's got a chance." I mean, you've nailed that accent as well. <laughs> it's like it's like David O'Leary's in the room. Paddy, of course, is Irish. He's fuming about that. <laughs> Listen, fellas, we're going to move on to the listeners' questions because we've got about eight minutes left, and we want to rattle through the hundreds of responses we get to listeners' questions. We are going to start with Barney. Are we expecting too much from the players than we should be? We should remember that we have a world-class coach working with players that are already playing to their full potential. That's from Barney. Yeah, I think both Josh and I agree on this. I think we think that um, the the current squad are taken for granted a little bit. Uh, This is a squad, the majority of whom finished 
low low table in before Bielsa arrived and we've not we've not done a huge amount of investment in the squad so I think what we're seeing from from the squad is is probably an overperformance from anything that they've they've done before but that's partly I think what the the so-called Bielsa burnout um, comes down to as well is that you get a, a group of players who aren't used to being in this sort of scenario where they're challenging for the top of the table and and that they they just aren't ready for for that kind of um, psychological uh, pressure at the end of the season. So for me, yeah, we're expecting probably more than more than we should from the players. But at the same time as that, I would say that whilst the expectation is probably too high, they can still win the league mm. and even maybe should <laughs> so it's like expectation is crazy high but we don't need them to be as good as Fulham's forwards mm. we just need them to be average and score like if they convert the average amount of chances they w- then we win the league by miles but we're currently below average I hate to, I hate to say this to you, Matt, but the process actually works. <laughs> so what we need to do is is trust we the process. We have to get that in. <laughs> well, Did you see the way we engineered that? That was <laughs> Adam Forshaw agrees with you. Yeah, he, Jay, does. he Al- does. Adam Forshaw probably listens to this show. I, I would have thought I think so. so. Yeah, and he knows now to just be average on Saturdays, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's be, absolutely just be, fine. Just be average in the system, which works brilliantly well. Yeah. Not average outside of this system, otherwise not so good. Um, next up, Matt Duncan. This is an absolutely massive shout from Matt Duncan. He has said, how far is Phillips, Calvin Phillips, of course, from getting an England call-up? Do you feel he offers more in his position than Jordan Henderson or Declan Rice? Who wants to take this one? Well, I mean, he's. I'm sorry to say this, but he's not better than Jordan Henderson in Jordan Henderson's role. Mm-hmm. As a number eight, he's a Champions League winning captain. Come on. <laughs> However... Declan Rice, I don't think is. I don't understand what he does. Really, I literally don't understand what I'm, he does. I'm the same with he's a, Phillips, he's wow. not a destroyer like Phillips, who wins the ball <laughs> and dominates. But Phillips also receives the ball and plays it on much better yep. than Rice. Rice is like he he has the turning circle of a truck, whereas Phillips gets the ball on the half turn, plays it out to a fullback. I I'm not sure we're going to see him for England until he's playing in the Premier League hopefully with Leeds but I'm interested he hear, could I'm interested to hear your I'm always, always with these kind of questions to hear mm. an outsider perspective oh, well firstly Declan Rice I mm. mean for me he is the best Not player in it. England at the moment Not in that position it. It, as an English player and I realise why Paddy was probably in your ear because we're talking about Declan Rice and I imagine that Paddy being an Irishman isn't oh, the yeah. biggest fan of Declan Rice but <laughs> I would say that for me Declan Rice no I think he is a, a very good player I actually watched him very closely last season because I had those concerns that you raised Josh and I thought it was brilliant I don't think he needs to be an enforcer Michael Carrick for example wasn't that type of player when he was at United he in England, he was sensational as a passer. <laughs> Declan Rice is a very good passer of a football. Oh, not having it. I don't think he progresses no? the ball quickly enough now, particularly for England. Um, if, if that's the, what the question is on, I think Calvin Phillips would. I, I, I don't. I know Matt, and I know that he's partly asking this question because he knows I don't really care about England, so he's just kind of winding me up. Oh, but okay, right. I do think that actually Calvin Phillips would be fine for England, and and I think it's. Uh, I think it's probably a matter of time before we see him tried out there. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, we're going to kick on which is exactly what David Martin wants us to do as well, because he said, do we think, given the loss of key players that we've done okay recently, and with the return of Hernandez, we can kick on? I think this is an interesting question, actually, because I feel as though we've almost forgotten that in the last couple of weeks we've missed a few key players through injury. We've changed the style of play that we're playing to reflect that, mainly because we're playing Helder Costa instead of um, Pablo Hernandez. Uh, we've lost a little bit of control with with um, Adam Forshaw out and with, with Click being expected to play more as a as a classic eight, maybe covering for, for Jamie Shackleton if he's been playing. So I, I'm actually looking forward to the next few games because I feel as though we're going to start returning to fuller strength than we've had for a while. And I think hopefully uh, we, we we could have the chance to, to to sort of calm down a little bit after a few frenetic weeks. Okay, a stats based question, fellas. I know you like these one. This is from Josh Denby. Any any underlying stats on what Roberts brings in terms of chance creation, or has he not appeared enough this season to say, Josh? Well, I mean, he hasn't appeared <laughs> enough this season to to say. Um, Roberts is a player that I really like for sure, but um, yeah, uh, 
hit all the metrics are just going to be skewed terribly because of his minutes. But um, I think what he brings is someone that progresses the ball by by running with it, which we don't we don't have that many of. Um, he wants the ball. He shows for it in space, and I think he's the closest thing that we've got to uh, what we had from Saez in that uh, in that role, running through the middle. I'd like to see him play more, and I'd like to see, particularly if Enketia is going to be starting, I'd like to find a way to get Roberts in there to get him the ball. I'm a big fan of Roberts too. I think the problem the problem is always going to be that I think people with when it comes to creativity, usually what people mean is someone who actually finds space um, in between the the midfield and the f- defense. And part of the problem is is that teams sit deep against us and there isn't that space there. You can play anyone you like unless they're someone like Lionel Messi of that of that elite quality. You, they're really not going to get this. You're not going to get the sort of benefit that people expect from them. So I I really like Tyler Roberts, but I don't again I don't think he's a one size fits all solution because because I think he's going to come up against two banks of, of defence and, and midfield, and and there's just the problem is is that it's just really hard to break down those two those two lines. Gents, we are at the end of the show, so very very quickly, one last question. And as Alioski and Douglas are both potentially missing, who do you go at left back? That's from the Mighty Whites podcast. Stuart Dallas. Stuart Dallas. Oh, well, there we go. Nice and easy. Easy. Job done. <laughs> Stuart Dallas. There you go, Mighty Whites. If you wanted a simple answer, you certainly got one. Uh, Chaps, it is QPR tomorrow. Just before we go again, a quick prediction from you both. I'm going 2-0 Leeds. We finally score more than one goal at home for the first time this season. I'm going 1-0 Leeds. We don't finally score two goals at home. Oh, no. I can't take it. (laughs) The tension. Attention! Could cut it with a knife. <laughs> this has been the Leeds United Fan Show on Love Sport. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. We will see you next Friday at 8pm. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.